Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. Chris is not here this week. He is still on vacation, and so we are having a special guest, Battery Power's Daniel Hutchinson Couch, who will be joining us to talk about the Mets Braves series that begins tomorrow. But first, late on Thursday evening, Joel Sherman tweeted out that the Mets were calling up top prospect Francisco Alvarez to join the team in Atlanta. Now, Alvarez is being called up to be the right-handed piece of the DH platoon for the end of the season, and hopefully to tune him up for the playoffs. Now, this is a little bit unusual, as uh, he is making his major league debut just six games before the end of the regular season, but the right-handed piece of the Mets' DH platoon has been pretty unremarkable so far this season, with Darren Ruff and Mark Vientos currently holding down that role, and neither one exactly being effective in any way uh, over the long haul. And so this is a risk, but it's a calculated one. Uh, Alvarez has hit lefties incredibly well this season, as well as, you know, a good test for the future. It's a big test for somebody, and so I think that there's a chance this blows up in their face if he is not ready for the challenge. But there's only one way to find out, and that is to give him some time to play. So that adds another layer of excitement for what is going to be a very exciting series. And so without further ado, Daniel and I are going to get into that series preview right now. All right, I am joined on the line tonight by Daniel hutchinson Couch from Battery Power, the SB Nation Atlanta Braves site. Now, forgive the ignorance of Mets fans. Why is it called Battery Power? 
Well, the uh, the new stadium, uh, previously known as SunTrust Park, but now known as Truist Park, we have a large facility next to the stadium called the Battery, which is obviously a reference to the whole, you know, pitching, catching mm-hmm. duo, but um, also, you know, baseball bats. Um, but yeah, they have a lot of cool restaurants and ju- just it's a really great vibe uh, in that northern Atlanta area. Okay, yeah, I, I have not been out to the new park yet. I was at Turner Field a number of years ago, but I've not been to the new ballpark yet. One of these days, I will make it down. Uh, I was in Atlanta. I was in Atlanta in June and tried to get out of a work obligation to go to a game, and I could not make that work, unfortunately. Yeah, there, there's a lot that could be discussed regarding the battery, and just that that's sort of a financial model that a lot of other teams have looked at and and uh, are you know looking to move towards sort of as they um, make their own you know real estate and stadium renovations. Yes. Yeah. Um... So anyway, uh, thank you for coming on the show. You know, um, I, this is going to be something I think unusual for both Mets fans and Braves fans, which is hopefully civil discourse between <laughs> a representative from each team uh, about about baseball. But, you know, it's been an interesting year so far. Yeah, it has. You know, the, the Braves obviously went on uh, a pretty rough start and the, and the Mets started out really nicely. And that's where you got the whole, you know, then Elias is over thing. And then the Braves played like ungodly good for the next three months. And so yes. now here we are. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, it's pretty incredible because this is like, I guess it was, was it last season when the Dodgers and the Giants each had like one at 105, 106 wins. Like it's a yep. very similar situation in the NL East this year where any other year, one of these teams would clearly be in first place and it wouldn't be a competition. But here we are on the eve of the final weekend of the season with one game separating the Mets and the Braves. So before we start, uh, just sort of give your overall um, just tenor of the last, you know, week to 10 days. How is the team looking? Are there any injuries that we should be aware of? Anyone really hot or really cold? Just sort of give us the, the lay of the land for the Braves. Yeah, so obviously the biggest injury is just Spencer Strider, um, you know, rookie of the year candidate. He's basically been baby DeGrom this season. um, And, I mean, he's been absurd. And that really hurts because it looked like he might be, you know, lined up to pitch this series. And he's been arguably Atlanta's best pitcher this season. But he has a oblique injury. And that now casts doubt on whether he's even going to be available early in the postseason. So that's a big bummer. But as far as... Big performers. I mean, Michael Harris has been a godsend as a rookie this year. He's also the other rookie of the year candidate from Atlanta. Um, and Ronald Acuna has really been starting to look like himself again, which is really nice because, you know, he's he came back from the ACL and he hadn't quite looked like his usual, you know, top five player in the world level. But he has found his power stroke in the last week or two, which is what he'd really been missing. And so... That's been really promising. And Matt Olson, who had been slumping for the last good bit, has also been picking it up in the last week or so. So that's what you've sort of seen in the last few weeks. Yeah. Uh, on the Mets side of that, you know, uh, DeGrom had a rough start over the weekend. But we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in the, in a few minutes. And uh, the Mets are still without Starling Marte, who has been on the IL with a broken finger. He is due back at some point soon, but there is not sort of a clear date for that yet. And the Mets played three lefties in a row this weekend, uh, or faced three lefties in a row, rather, and really missed Marte's bat. So that is still, that is their only offensive piece right now that is that is dealing with an active injury. Um, Brandon Nimmo had a, a tight quad over the weekend, but 
has seemingly turned a corner on that. And, you know, at this time of year, a lot of players are playing slightly banged up. But, you know, everyone is – both teams are, are relatively at full strength minus Marte and uh, Baby DeGrom, as you called him. Uh, DeGrom never had a mustache that good. So that's the, I, I will not I will I, I will put him. He had the flow uh, though. He, he did the flow, <laughs> yes. So, you know, so I guess we we could maybe trade those or, or say that those are you know equally cool, uh, you know, feature hair features for the two players. Yeah. Um, and I should say you know future Atlanta Brave Jacob Degrom. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> we got Steve Cohen money now. You know, you know that might have been the case when the Wilpons were there, but you get a billionaire owner. I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. But I, I I know Braves fans would love that. Um, and Buster I mean, Olney has been pushing that narrative, though. I yeah, don't know. Buster Olney also getting, said he was going to yeah. sell his family farm. <laughs> if, uh, oh, who was it? Come to, didn't come to the Mets. It was um, uh, somebody. I last two off seasons ago, he said he would sell his family farm if someone. I think it was um, Spencer. I think it was George Spencer. Wasn't a Met. And uh, when I interviewed Olney, I, I actually before the interview, I said, "Can, can I bust your balls about this?" And he said, "Oh, sure, go right ahead." So you know, <laughs> uh, I uh, I busted him a little bit for that. But yeah, no, I mean. What team wouldn't want Degrom right now? You know, yeah. I, well, probably the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe the Pirates. Yeah, but you know, uh, no, the, you know, it's going to be a really fun matchup of pitchers this weekend. And I want to actually start with the pitchers. I want to start with Sunday's matchup because Sunday night's game is the national game on ESPN, and the Mets actually uh, switched their rotation around this week. Uh, they were supposed to have Chris Bassett starting Friday night, but that has been changed. Now Chris Bassett is starting on Sunday night against Charlie Morton. Uh, Morton is obviously a, a veteran, somebody who has been doing this a very long time. How do you feel about Morton this season? You know, it's been kind of weird because you've seen games where he's looked like your, your, you know, Charlie Morton that we've grown to expect over the last, you know, three to five years. Um, but over the whole season, he has struggled a bit and it's been a weird struggle because the the strikeouts have been there but his home run rate has almost doubled since last season and it's by far the highest that he's had since 2010 <laughs> when he was not at all the same pitcher no he, um, he 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 wasn't capital c capital m charlie morton in 2010 yeah and, and you know he has this reputation as a big game pitcher and you know that's shown up in the playoffs recently and and you know whatnot but it's scary when he's given up as many home runs as he is because you, you, you know, you see some games where he has, you know, 11 strikeouts over seven innings and of, you know, no runs allowed, but then you have some other games where it's four innings and he's given up four home runs. And so that, that matchup is, that could be the pivot of the series. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is certainly the, the least marquee of the starts in terms of pitcher matchups, but Bassett and Morton are anything to sneeze at. Both both are having good years. Both are veteran sort of cagey pitchers. That should be a fun matchup. Uh, moving backwards today, Saturday we have Max Scherzer for the Mets, Kyle Wright for the Braves. You know Scherzer is this will be his third start off the IL. In his first start, he went six perfect innings. In his second start, he looked you know dominant. Uh, you know it really is an ace one and ace one a situation for the Mets right now. But Kyle Wright is having a pretty phenomenal season of his own. He has twenty wins, an ERA just over three. Uh, would you say that Wright is? Well, how how do you sort of lay out the Braves pitching staff? Who is who is number one in your eyes? So I think I think if you ask any Braves fan who they expect to be the number one starter going into the postseason, it's going to be Max Fried, even with a healthy Strider. I think Strider's been the best pitcher for the Braves this season, and that's not really 
that much of a controversial statement, given that he has more F4 than Max Fried, despite, you know, starting the first month of the season out of the bullpen. Right. But Max Fried's, you know, been established for years. And so he's going to be that guy who the Braves are going to rely on as the number one starter. Kyle Wright's probably in the three spot right there. Um, you know, he does have the fantastic 3.18 ERA, but that's a little bit smoke and mirrors if you look at his XERA and, and FIP, although XFIP likes it a little bit more. But still, you know, he, he gets some of the Cy Young discussion among more of the old school writers and journalists because of because the ERA and wins. the wins numbers. Yeah. But but as far as what I would actually project him to be moving forward, or even just if you were to you know repeat the season 100 times, it wouldn't be as good as you've gotten this season from him. But that being said, it's still been a godsend for the Braves because before this season, he was nothing after being drafted really high, got getting a massive draft bonus, and he had basically done nothing aside from a few spot starts at the big league level to really justify that. But this season, he's actually been a valuable part of the rotation. That's a big deal. Yeah, so sometimes you know you draft a player and you anticipate them to come out of the gate being a superstar, and sometimes it just takes people a little bit longer. And I think we also forget that like a third or fourth starter is an incredibly valuable piece of team. Like every team needs those players, and if you have a player like that who can put up a three point one eight ERA, that's that's incredibly valuable, even if that's not a superstar performance. So yeah, I mean, I, I think the Braves should be very very happy with Wright's performance thus far this year. And it seems like fans are pretty ha- pretty appreciative of, of the job he's done. Yeah, I think especially after what we had seen from Wright for the past few seasons, no one's really complaining about him being a <laughs> perfectly serviceable mid-rotation starter. <laughs> right. But then, you know, moving to Friday night, this is the marquee matchup. This is why I want to talk about this one last, because we have Max Fried with a 2.50 ERA, 167 strikeouts against Jacob DeGrom, who spent more than half the season on the injured list, but is already up to 91 strikeouts of his own. Um, you know, this is one of the better pitching matches you'll see all season, and it's coming in such an important game. Um, what has Freed done this year in your eyes that has just made him so special? Yeah, we're just going to edit that out. This year, he's brought back the changeup, and it's actually been a really valuable pitch for him. And so that's just added one more thing that he can do. And it's kind of interesting because he's a guy with really good stuff. I mean, his fastball is not great. It's got decent velocity, but the spin rate is really bad, so it's pretty hittable. But his secondaries are fantastic. Despite the fact that he has this elite curveball, elite slider, solid changeup, he doesn't strike out as many guys as you would think because he's really started pitching to contact more recently in his career. But he's still found a way to be, you know, elite an elitely effective pitcher with that lower strikeout rate. I mean, he's not stri- striking out uh, nine per nine in- batters per nine innings anymore like he used to. But he's been better pitcher for it, and so that's what you saw last postseason. And he's got that big game pitcher mentality as well that you, you know, the reputation that you hear from Morton. Freed's got the same thing. I mean, you saw him close out the World Series in Game Six last year after getting his ankle stepped on in the first inning. I mean, yep. this is this is a stud. This is an alpha mentality pitcher. Like he's going to be there in a big game. Uh, Ron Darling, commentator for the Mets, is often fond of saying that there's a period of time in a pitcher's career where his talent matches his IQ, where, you know, the the stuff is good, but they know how to pitch and they know how to work. And that seems like where Freed is to me. Like when I look at him now, it seems like he is he is harnessing all the physical skills he has, but he's doing it in such a smarter way than he was a, a season or two ago. 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a good way to look at pitching because obviously, you know, the athleticism and the stuff is generally going to go downhill as your career progresses. But also, as we see time and time again, pitching of all of the things in baseball it takes to learn, pitching is probably the hardest. Yep. And so that's the thing that you really do need to develop the IQ over time. Yeah. So, you know, as a Mets fan looking at this series, you know, obviously the first game seems like the one that is going to be the most exciting because of the matchup. But it's also the one that I feel the least confident about from a Mets offensive standpoint. Do you feel the same way about the Braves? Is Friday night the game that you're concerned about because of DeGrom being on the mound? Um, I mean, just from the sense that, like, DeGrom is an alien, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I think the Braves and the Mets, as similar as they've been this season, the biggest difference has been how they get their offensive production. And that's what makes it so hard to say with the Braves is that it, the Braves hit a ton of home runs and that's where they get a lot of their offensive production, whereas the Mets are a little bit more small ball oriented. Mm -hmm. And so those runs can come in bunches when they do. And so because it only takes, you know, a walk and a homer and there's two runs right there. And, and that's a lot more likely to happen for the Braves than it is for the Mets. And so it's sort of like, yes, obviously, DeGrom is the best pitcher. And so it's the game that I'm most concerned about. And the Braves have had some success against Scherzer, especially in his uh, Nationals right. era. But at the same time, you know, with that style of offense, it can happen any night. Sure. Uh, who who do you think are the players that will be the the ones to watch this weekend in terms of impact? Like, who are who are the couple two or three Braves that you feel like if, if those – folks have a good series things will be good for the Braves well Austin Riley comes to mind I mean he's been really good this season but he hasn't been quite as good uh in the last few months I mean he's still been good but not like insanely elite level like he was tracking with like Paul Goldschmidt who's the MVP favorite with uh WRC plus at one point and he's not been quite that good recently so I think him having a big series could really be a big windfall for the Braves is there anybody else that comes to mind? Maybe is there someone in the bullpen? That's that's what I want to ask. I guess you know, is there a a bullpen a relief pitcher that you feel like their performance will will be determinative this weekend? Well, I mean, Kenley Jansen comes to mind obviously because he's had, he had struggled a little bit in the last month to six weeks, um, and and that was sort of a two week blip that he seems to have moved past at this point, but. That still is a little bit in the back of my mind. And, you know, we know with the way that Brian Snicker manages, he's going to be the closer regardless. And so if he were to have a bad series, I think that would be a really big deal, obviously. But mm -hmm. the Braves also have one of the best bullpens in baseball. And they're, it's so deep that, you know, that there's not really one guy that's just going to need to carry the load because they have so many guys who can be really, really good. But given that Kenley Jameson is the most likely to be put in those high leverage spots in the ninth inning and that he's had those blips this season, he would be the one that I would be more concerned about than I think in a positive sense, being a game changer. Sure. I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, he's, um, I mean, look, you, you really can't go wrong with, <laughs> I, I don't want to say anyone in that bullpen that maybe is overstating it a little bit, but the Braves bullpen has been so impressive this year that I think, I mean, the, to me, when I look at the two teams, that is easily the place where I feel the Braves have one up on the Mets. You know, um, obviously the Braves do hit more home runs than the Mets, but the Mets, as of late, have been a, a, a relatively home run friendly team. You know, Pete Alonso is always yeah. a home run threat. Um, Eduardo Escobar has hit eight home runs this month and has really turned on the offense for for the Mets. I would say against the two righties this weekend, I, I'm looking for a big series out of Daniel Vogelback. 
He came to the team, was very hot when he started, and then had a bit of a hamstring injury that um, just he wasn't he wasn't swinging the bat very well. And he's already a, a, a liability on the base pads, and he was really you know almost unusable. If he he was walking a lot still, his his walk rate never slipped him when he was hurt. But he would have to be pinch run for quite a bit because he just could not run the bases. And so now that he's back at full strength against a couple of hard throwing righties, I think Vogelback could be a, a difference maker in the two games in the uh, at, you know against righties. And then for me, a, a big key player right now is Drew Smith for the Mets. He was he's in their bullpen. He he was on the IL for a fair part of the summer and came back. And his first game out, he was brought in to a, uh, I believe it was a bases-loaded situation, and it did not go very well for him. But since then, he has looked like a really elite relief pitcher. And last night came in in the 10th inning with a man on second base and stranded him, which, as we all know, is very, very tough to do uh, with the new um, extra innings rules. And so if, if Smith can be that piece out of the bullpen the Mets have missed this whole summer, that would that would be a very, very big thing for the weekend. Yeah, I will say one thing that scares me about the Mets in a short series like this is that obviously DeGrom and Scherzer have the potential of going, you know, seven, eight innings any night. Mm -hmm. Um, And while while the Braves have by far the edge in bullpen depth, the Mets do have a few really good guys up there. And obviously we know what kind of terror Edwin Diaz has been on this season. Yes. And so if you can, like, if if DeGrom goes seven innings, that's really scary because the Braves hit bullpens well, but... If, but if no one has the as well. If you use their top guys, then you yeah. know that there's not. It's 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 going to be a hard day for the Braves. Yeah, and you know, uh, Buckshaw Walter has been trying to use Edwin Diaz in some six out situations late in the season. I think to prepare for playoff games when that may be the plan, right? Degrom or Scherzer goes seven, and then Diaz comes in for two if it's a, if it's a tight game. So yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a good series. I mean. I think both of us are obviously rooting for our teams to win here. It's not yeah. we're not going to be, but but how do you feel about the series? Do you think it's going to be a tight series? Do you do you think you know? Just give me your general thoughts on what what you're thinking for the weekend. I mean, it's baseball, so anything can happen. But these teams are so evenly matched. I, I think that if Strider was healthy and pitching, I would feel a lot more confident. But given that the Braves. I mean, obviously the Braves need to win the series to have any chance of the division. Um, Realistically, it would be nice to sweep because if they don't sweep, then they need help from the Mets in the final series. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, if Strider was there, I would feel a lot better about it with, without Strider there, I think you still have home field advantage and the, and the teams are pretty well matched. So given that it's home field, I would probably, you know, it's, it's an okay feeling, but it makes me nervous, and obviously baseball is a game of high variance, so yes, anything it is. can happen with two good teams. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's kind of crazy that we're still here. Like, you know, when this race started tightening at the end of July, when it was really starting to get tight, I thought, okay, one of these teams is going to hit a losing streak for the first time this season. Like, this yeah. team has – neither team has lost, I think it's four games in a row since May, is it? Something like that? Like, it's it's been – it, it it they've just been remarkably good at not hitting a skid. And so I expected one of the teams to hit a skid and it would be clear by the time of the season that someone was going to be taking the division and the other team was going to be the number one wildcard team. But they just keep 
both teams just keep winning. I mean, it feels like the Braves yeah. haven't lost in two months. I know. Oh, that's not yeah, true. yeah, and it's the same way the other. It's, it's the same from my perspective. It's like you know, it's been so stressful for both fan bases because it, it got close, and then both teams have just done almost the same thing with like yes. minor movements up and down, but it's been just right there neck and neck for the last month and it's been stressful yeah and it's crazy because you know the Mets got swept by the Cubs who are a bad team and I thought yeah. oh, well this is the Braves are gonna are gonna surge now but the Braves were losing at the same time like, it just it's amazing how in yeah. sync they have been oh, with yeah. their wins and losses so yeah. and not good for my blood pressure no I, mean, <laughs> I have some years on you and uh let me tell you it is not good not good for right. any for anything like that Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So I have a question for you. Real sure. Quick. Go ahead. Yeah, man. If you had to guess the difference between the two teams in total F4 over the season, what would you guess the difference is? And who Ooh. would you guess is the leader? I'm going to guess it's the Braves because I would say that the Mets have been remarkably consistent all season, but the Braves have had such such periods of high that I would think that though I'm going to say it's like, oh gosh, it's going to be close, I think. I'm going to say the Braves are up by three, three F4. The Mets lead by 0.1 F4. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And wow. it's kind of funny the way it, it uh, worked out as well, because the, if you looked at the rosters, you wouldn't guess this, but the Braves lead by 2.1 pitching F4 and the Mets lead by 2.2 uh, position player F4. Wow. That is that is actually very interesting. Yeah. Wow. Um, so let's talk about the playoffs for a minute. How how important to you is the buy in the wild card round? Like, is that is that something that you think both teams should be going a hundred percent from now to the end of the season because it's so important? Or do you think that both teams are significantly better than the other wild card teams? And therefore if, if they wind up as the wild card team, it's not the end of the world. Well, you know, like I was saying earlier, my philosophy about baseball is that it, it's a game of high variance, which I think is very true. And so I think that that by, you know, anytime you can, not play a short series with your elimination on the line. I think that's a, a pretty big deal. And it sort of works out how, you know, both teams can sort of go almost all out by, you know, lining up their starters for this series. And it yep. doesn't have to be for the last series of the season because there's a good chance that this series right here is the determining factor. And so that's sort of a blessing in disguise in the sense that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be you burning your best three starters on the last three days of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for the Mets, I know it, before they had changed the um, the configuration of the of the starting pitchers to to maximize against the Braves, I think Bassett was scheduled to go the last day of the season. Now it would be Degrom, but obviously, 
unless they really needed DeGrom, they're not going to throw him the last game of the season, right. you know? And so it, both teams are lined up in a way where even if they lose the division, even if they're wind up, you know, they're in the wild card series, their pitching staff should be well lined up for that series. Yeah. I uh, think that I would almost say that both teams would say that either they want a brave sweep or a Mets win of this series, just for the clarity that that provides. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I think that's probably correct. E- even though it, it pains me to say that, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's just a uh, it's it's just a it, it's. I mean, I I know that these things happen, but I have not, as a fan, been in this tight of a playoff battle at this late in the season that has gone the Mets way since 1999 when they had to play a game 163 against the Reds to make it in as a wild card team, you know, in 2007 and 2008, the Mets famously collapsed at the end of the season. And those were heartbreaking for their own reasons, but this is a much better team than either of those teams. This is more than likely a hundred win team and they're in the playoffs no matter what. Now, personally, I think that the Padres who are, currently in the spot that would line up against the Braves or the Mets in the wild card division, uh, the wild card uh, series rather. I think the Padres are probably the most beatable team on the National League side in the playoffs. Do you agree with that? Well, I mean, obviously like the Phillies <laughs> who might not even make the playoffs at this rate. Right. Because of the Cubs who you were talking about. You know, right, the, yeah. the Mets having struggles with yeah. earlier. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the Padres don't scare me that much, but again, it's, it's a short series and it's baseball. Yeah, I mean, and, and um, they have Juan Soto, right? Like, so, you yeah. know, if a player like that is a big series, all bets are off, essentially. Yeah. But I will say, like, I think part of what also has made this race so stressful is not just how tight it's been for how long, but both teams deserve to have a division win at the end of the season mm-hmm. based on how good they've been. Yes. And, and, that, and that's the unfortunate and, part of, of all of this. <laughs> and the new playoff format gives extra stakes to it as well. And so it's just this perfect storm of a completely new playoff format that, you know, has added benefit for winning your division, especially when you're the second best team, you know, top one of the top two teams. Right. And both teams definitely deserve to win that division. How do you but, feel about you know, this new it only has to be one. As this format is being rolled out this year, how do you feel about this format? Well, I was not a fan of expanding the playoffs, but I was glad that it was not uh, like, you know, your 14 team playoffs that got tossed around. Um, I think that not reseeding after the first round is silly, but it is also in line with MLB consistently making silly decisions. <laughs> like, Agreed. you know, if, uh, if Spencer Strider were to win rookie of the year, the Braves would not get any draft pick compensation for that under the new rule, because he was only on one of the three top 100 prospect lists at the beginning of the season to give you an idea of another silly rule. So, you know, it's very on brand for MLB to make a, you know, rule that's not very well thought out. And hopefully that, you know, they can get together with MLBPA and maybe just renegotiate to reseed after the first round. And that's not a big deal. Am I optimistic that's going to happen? Not really because it's MLB, but I think it would be a smart decision. So not a huge fan in the sense that it's expanded playoffs and also in the sense that it's not very well thought out expanded playoffs. Yeah. I generally agree with that. I do like the idea of the top two records getting a buy. I think that it incentivizes teams to, to really go for it at the end of the season. 
I, I think that your mileage may vary on how important that is, but I do think it's nice to reward those teams that are doing so well. And it's making like, for instance, if this was the old format, I it would not it would it would be a very different feeling to be going into the a one game playoff for the wild card versus going into a series for the wild card. Spot. Yeah, that is true. And and that's definitely the silver lining is the the elimination of the one game wild card game. Yeah. But I will say I am I will forever mourn the loss of the 163rd game. Yep. Um I I I think that's just such an exciting bit of baseball that is a unique thing in baseball also. And for some reason it seems like Rob Manfred wants to pull anything that is uniquely baseball out of the game. And, uh, you know, so I'm a little bit bummed out at the loss of that. And, and we could I'm, be talking about that right now as well. If, if it was under the old format, we could be talking about a game 163. Exactly. And that's that's yeah. just – it's just so exciting. It's actually uh, – I'll never forget. So uh, I guess it was 2007. Yeah, the uh, it was the Rockies and maybe the Cardinals, I think, in game 163. And it was, it was, a, it was a crazy – it was one of my favorite – games I was watching with no rooting interest just just to watch the baseball you know it was it was such an exciting fun series um I mean game rather but yeah the, the new the new format I, I think I'll have a stronger opinions on it after the season to see how it works in practice as opposed to just working in theory because uh like you I do not like the idea of an expanded playoff I actually think that the original play uh like the 1997 was it the first year of the wild card that to me is like the platonic ideal of baseball which is there you have the three division winners and you have the wild card team and to me that is plenty of teams in the playoffs um but you know i understand that there are fan bases in seattle and cleveland and tampa and san diego and philadelphia that are really fired up right now and that may not be the case if this wasn't the old format. So I, I, I get why I get why it's good for the game overall, even if I think it's worse for the playoffs themselves. Yeah. And I will say, like, there's another issue of, you know, should division winners get precedence over wildcard teams with a better record? And it's like that's sort of your entertainment value versus fairness right, exactly. argument there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but I, I think that regardless – I mean, I, I truly think that whichever team is the wild card, they will probably be facing the Dodgers in the division series. I think the Mets and the Braves both line up nicely against the other wild card teams. And so there is a chance that the Mets and Braves could be meeting again in the NLCS, which would be I don't That'd know how busy. my I don't know how my blood pressure would do for that. You know, my I, I just I, I don't know. The Braves, the Braves have always scared me as a team just because I think and this is something I just wanted to, to, to pick your brain about. It seems like there's this never ending carousel of young players coming up for the Braves. But I was told yeah. by, by a friend that this year they think that the, the, the pantry is kind of empty now going forward, at least for a couple of years. Do you agree with that assessment? Uh. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> okay. I mean, the the thing is that last, like coming into this season, the pipeline, like our farm system was not ranked very well. And then you had Spencer Strider and Michael Harris are the runaway rookie of the year favorites this year. And so, you know, the Braves 
they haven't had the farm system that's going to get good rankings since Alex Anthopoulos has got here in terms of what he's brought into the system. Sure. When we were ranked high with him still as GM, that was a lot based on prospects that he didn't bring in. But what he has done is he's identified guys and just these specific guys have worked out. Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, and now you see Justin, Justin Henry Malloy, who just got promoted to AAA and he's going to the Arizona Fall League. You know, he could be that next guy. And so, you know, it doesn't have the volume that would make it look like, yeah, there's going to be this flood of young talent, but there is a guy there who could be a difference maker next year. And, and we said the same about Michael Harris and Spencer Schreider last season, and, and they move these guys fast and they come up and they work out. And, you know, Von Grissom could also, you know, he, he came up, was really hot, and then he struggled more recently. So he could, he could get back up to playing really well again next year. And, and then you've got Von Grissom and Justin Henry Malloy, and you've got two really good young players again. So, you know, while we don't have the volume of prospects, this Anthopolis regime has just identified guys that have worked out. And so it's sort of hard to say when you're looking at the farm system. Do you think that Anthopolis so far has has done I mean, look, the team won the World Series under him, right? So you 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 can't you can't be too harsh on the guy, but how do you feel he's done as GM so far? Oh, it's been spectacular. And I mean, you know, one of the rumored favorites for the position when he was hired was Dayton Moore and he just got fired from Kansas City. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Anthopolis has been masterful, you know, it's he came in with a lot of talent in the farm system, which obviously helped a lot. But at the same time, he could have gone AJ Preller and, you know, gone trade crazy. And instead he identified the guys who were going to work out and he's kept them. You know, you, you, Ronald Acuna, Austin Riley, both came up under him. Austin Riley, he was bad for a while. He, He had, he came up, was really hot. And then he struggled for the rest of the season. And then for the next season, he struggled. And there were a lot of people in Braves country that were really concerned that he was coming in to last season as the starter. And now he just got a massive extension and is an MVP caliber player. And so at the same time, he traded Christian Pache, Shea Langoliers uh, to the athletics for Matt Olson. And Pache has not still not been able to hit at the major league level. And Langoliers has also struggled to hit at the major league level. And so he's done a really good identity job of identifying which prospects he wants to keep and at being patient with them. And now you have a young core that, you know, is you were struggling to find spots for good players and there's still talent in the farm system. And so, yeah, I think he's done a masterful job. And then you mentioned before, we were talking about Kenley Jansen, you said that because of who the manager is, you know, he's going to be closing games. So that, that, that leads me to believe that maybe there is some criticism on your end about Brian Snicker and how he is, how he manages the team, or are you just saying he's a very traditional manager and therefore, you know, he has his closer and that's just the way it goes. Snickers tactics drive me crazy in the regular season, but I think that he, however the organization does the tactics in the postseason, it, it like they, they get the, the tactics, right? Like 95% of the time in the postseason. And Snicker is the kind of guy that everyone loves. He's a great story. He's a great leader. And so I'll deal with, hating the tactics that he uses in the, in the regular season for that factor and for him getting it right in the postseason. If he continued to get it wrong in the postseason, it would be a much bigger issue. And actually I have a friend um, in the Dodgers analytics department who I've sort of talked to about that, that issue of a lot of these more old school managers and very analytics heavy front offices. Mm-hmm. And he was sort of, and I asked him about that, you know, with, with their situation. And he, he was sort of like, yeah, I think a lot of us, 
really prioritize the human element with the, with the manager. And then we get across what analytical concepts we can, but when he's in there with the guys every day, you know, that does matter um, yes. both as far as how they're feeling and how they're performing, but also as far as, you know, contract negotiations in the future and retaining those players. And so, you know, that factor does matter a lot. And so given that Snicker gets the tactics right in the postseason, you know, and as a great guy, I'll deal with the tactical disputes that I have with him on every regular season game. <laughs> I, I also think like if you if you ask the majority of fans, specifically the majority of fans who consider themselves analytically minded, do you like how your manager manages games? Most fans would say, no, of course not. Right? You know? Yeah, unless you're the race. Yeah. <laughs> unless you're the race, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, at, at, from the Mets perspective, you know, we came off of a couple of seasons of a rookie manager. One of his first ever season was a COVID season. We're talking about Luis Rojas here, and oh. you know that's that's an incredibly hard job to get into. You know, to to, to walk into, especially because Carlos Beltran was hired and then fired. It was just it, it was a mess that led to Rojas being there. But you know, he wasn't exactly successful in that role. And then before him, we had Terry Collins, who's about as old school as old school gets. You know, he's the guy who ref famously refused to believe that Justin Turner had a reverse platoon split and kept starting him against lefties, even though all evidence pointed to the fact that. That shouldn't be done. So with Buck Showalter, the Mets finally have a manager that is more analytically minded, but is also praised as a player's manager. And, you know, again, I think some of his bullpen management is absurd, but he's a major league manager. We're going to think that, right? That's just yeah. that's the way that these things go, unfortunately. Yeah, um, certainly. So uh, before we get to our music picks, just last thought here. Uh, what is your... How can I put this? Who is the guy that at the end of the Braves playoff run, however long it is, who is the player that you're going to look back and say they couldn't have got there without this guy? Who is their MVP for this season? I think it's hard to say it's anyone other than Michael Harris um, because that outfield was basically a disaster when he came up. I mean, we, we could not play outfield defense. Um, and he's come up and been a arguably the best defensive center fielder in the league and also has had like a 140 WRC plus as a rookie um, and as a lefty rookie as well for a Braves team that didn't have great lefty bats outside of Matt Olson. And that's pretty much anything that you can ask for from a player. So, I mean, just what he did for the outfield defensive situation, as well as just his incredible offensive production, it's hard to say that it was anyone else. And the Braves started winning as soon as he came up, and that's pretty much been the turning point of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for the Mets, it's hard to say it's not Pete Alonso. Just, you know, Alonso has 40 home runs now. You know, he's set the single-season RBI record for the Mets earlier this week, and he's just been remarkably consistent and – is has really improved his defensive game at first base over the last couple of seasons too. He's turned into an above average first baseman, which was not the scouting report on him when he was coming up th through the minor league system. He was considered a bat first player, and he still certainly is bat first. But his glove has become you know nothing to sneeze at either. But I would give an outside edge to Edwin Diaz just because you don't see closer performances this dominant very often. And, you know, uh, I know there is some uh, a bone of contention with the Braves as to sort of who has the rights to the narco song. Uh, but uh, I, I, from where I'm sitting, that is that is Diaz's thing. And the Mets have really leaned into that this year. 
and have made it an essential part of going to a, a game at, at City Field is seeing the narco entrance. And I just think that fans are so into watching Diaz pitch that he's the emotional favorite for MVP this season, uh, certainly. Yeah, I mean, that's understandable. I remember when Craig Kimbrell was dominant when I was a lot younger and, you know, me and my mom used to go to some games and we, we would just love watching him pitch. So I totally get that experience. And as far as Narcos goes, you know, I think that can totally be his signature thing as long as he doesn't claim exclusivity. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to be fair, he never claimed exclusivity. It was fair. It yeah. was uh, Blaster Jacks who do the song. They claimed it was his song. He he did not say anything about it. He just he just comes in and throws sliders that melt your brain. That, that, yeah, that, I, I think the exclusivity thing is where the discord really went off the rails there <laughs> well but you know you're gonna you're gonna find this shocking but Mets fans and Braves fans are both very passionate about their team and on Twitter <laughs> they can get a little salty oh of course you know and in the comments section of our, of our respective sites I'm sure as well there has been some uh there there's been some some disagreements but that's that's totally fine so speaking of yeah, Narcos, we have a saying we have a ahead. saying over in Braves Twitter where you know it's there's never anything that's too petty there's never anything that we won't find, and we always have time for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've just summed up baseball Twitter in general. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so speaking of narco, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get to some music picks. I, I was telling Daniel before the show, we always pick uh, some music we're listening to and recommend it to our listeners. So, what is your music pick for this week? Yeah, so I play alto saxophone, and I also oh, enjoy okay. listening to jazz. And so I have enjoyed both playing and listening to Misty, which is an old jazz jazz classic. But I'm particularly fond of Dexter Gordon's style, so I recommend uh, Misty, played by Dexter Gordon. I am a, a, a fellow jazz uh, fan. You you can't see it, but right over here, I have a painting of the cover of A Love Supreme oh, uh, awesome. by John Coltrane on my wall. So my favorite record of all time. Um, and uh, yeah, that, do you have a particular version of Missy? Like, is there is there a was that a live staple for Dexter Gordon? Is there a, like a year we should be seeking at, or just uh... no? I'm just I'm just a big fan of his style. If you want a specific performance, if you look on YouTube, he played a night in Tunisia in Holland, and that is one of the most incredible bebop jazz performances I've ever seen. So that's a good one. I'll, and, I'll add both those to this list. And I will mention, uh, you know, I, I was born in Greensboro, North Carolina, and John Coltrane is from High Point, North Carolina, which is about 20 minutes away. So I'm very familiar with, with okay. him, and, and I, I'm close to him historically a bit. Yeah, I, I grew up about five minutes from the studio where that was recorded, as well as, like, many other amazing jazz records are recorded. And uh, whenever I drive past, I, I, I get a little, uh, you know, a, a little bit of just – the the vibes off of that place which is you know just incredible um that's very cool though i i, I did not know you were a musician i i grew up playing bass in uh a high school jazz band and continue to play bass in some bands now um all right i am going to recommend uh something that's very different than that but that's what i love about this show i love that we get different music recommendations there is a canadian singer songwriter named daniel romano and his band is called Daniel Romano's Outfit. And they just released a record this month called La Luna. And it is each it is two tracks. Each track is an entire LP side. And it's just these suites of songs that almost evoke. I, I wouldn't quite call it a concept album or like. 
I don't think that I, I mean I haven't studied the lyrics too thematically yet, but it almost feels like uh like a rock opera type thing where the songs they all go into each other and there seems to be like motifs and thematic elements that that go through both sides of the record. And it's just a really interesting album. And Romano has done so many weird records over the last couple of years. When the pandemic started, he did a uh, a Bob Dylan cover record, but he did it in a very like specific style. And he's done some sort of like free jazz stuff. He's done some country stuff. He's done some punk stuff. So this is sort of him in his most uh, songwritery um, kind of orchestral pop mindset. It's just a really interesting record. And I, it, I put it on a couple of days while I was cooking. And it, it made the cooking experience very pleasant. So uh, make some soup, put on La Luna by Daniel Romano's outfit, and you can't go wrong. Uh, well, Daniel, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Where can folks find you online if they want to get in touch with you? Yeah, so I am at Braves Daniel on Twitter, uh, the infamous Twitterverse. And obviously, you're welcome to interact with us in the comments section over at Battery Power. Yeah, um, I, I, this is my message to both Braves fans and Mets fans: Be nice to us, please. We uh, we are we are all it, it, the the folks that are doing podcasts that are writing about these teams. We are trying our best, and uh, there there have been some some not so pleasant Twitter interactions with some people going towards some amazing Avenue writers uh, as of late. And I'm not saying those are I don't think those are Braves fans actually, just fans in general. But you know, just be nice to folks out there, guys. Twitter well, is a healthy. can unite. We can unite around making fun of the Phillies as well. Absolutely, I, I'm game for that. Yeah, any any time, you know, it's it, it's that you know the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So when the Phillies are are playing, uh, you know, we we can all have a nice good laugh about them. Real quick, do you do the Phillies make the playoffs? Yes or no? No. <laughs> you don't think so? I mean, it, it's level right now. It is level right now. I'll take the Brewers. All right. Yeah. I I don't know. I I have a feeling the Phillies are gonna are gonna pull it off. I do, um, but what in make the, the second last round? five years has made you feel that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing really. I, I guess just the Brewers have been so uninspiring on their own over the since the trade deadline. That I mean, there's uninspiring, and then there's god awful. So you know, take your pick. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I was really hoping that the Phillies were going to help the Mets out against the uh, Braves. Just thinking that the Phillies had something to play for. They really had this, you know, they had they they had to fight to get into the postseason, and they just rolled over. They just rolled yeah. Well, over. it's been like that for them in late season in the past few years. <laughs> I mean, they you know they were they were right there for the division in 2018 until we took it out from under their feet. <laughs> that is true. One of these years, the Braves will be bad, and you will know what it feels like, but that's not happening this year and probably not next year either. So uh, thank you so much, Daniel. Please go to AmazingAvenue.com and ba- is it BatteryPower.com? I don't even know the new – I know it used to be TalkingChop.com. Is it now BatteryPower.com? It is indeed Battery Power, yep. Go to both sites. Please, uh, again, be polite in the comments, but have some fun. You know, baseball is fun. Let's let's have fun with this weekend series. Um you can also go and find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found. You can find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Brian Needs a Nap. Uh, as Daniel said, he is on Twitter at Braves Daniel, right? Yep. I couldn't remember if it was Daniel Braves or Braves Daniel. Braves nope, Daniel. it was Braves Daniel. You got okay. it. Yep. And uh, I am on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. And remember, until next time, and especially this weekend, don't tell Daniel I'm saying this. Let's go, Mets. 